What's up, everybody? Welcome back to my motherfucking podcast. Woo! I'm so excited to be back on the air. Um, The last six months have been incredibly hectic and crazy and exciting and turbulent and traumatic. And um, it's just really good to, to feel like I've finally come up for air a little bit um, and and I'm starting to get a a grasp on things um, after a lot of changes uh, earlier this year. So um, where to begin? So the last three months especially have been really like blurry and just like, you know, days overlap and I can't really tell what happened first or, or, you know, the chronology of, of everything. But um, you know, I, I moved into new a new position at my job. I'm the new marketing director at Icon Collective, which is a very, very exciting um, role for me. It's something that uh, I feel like I've been working up to even without really consciously knowing it over my last six years with the company. So it's really great to finally be in that seat. It's intimidating. I'm nervous. I want to do a good job. I want my team to feel good about about me leading, you know, the, our efforts and, and that kind of thing. So it's a lot of responsibility, but in a good way. Like I'm stressed out in a good way when it comes to the job. And honestly, throughout all the other stuff that's been happening in my life, I think work has kind of given me something to hold on to and something to like, you know, focus my attention on so I'm not drowning in, in emotional stuff. Um other than that, um, what is a good way to segue into this conversation? Um, I'm trying to figure out when this happened, but somewhere around the time that I was interviewing for the role or like considering um, th- or throwing my hat in the ring for this open position that we had at Icon um, because the former marketing director just didn't work out. So we were looking to fill that spot and I had this like urge to, to take the role because I just didn't want to, I don't know, deal with like an outsider coming in and trying to figure out the culture and try to figure out our personalities. And I was like, you know what, I'm already in this department. Let me just go for this role and see if I can interview for it and, and possibly lock it down. So I did that and that was really cool. And while this was happening, Um, I found out I was pregnant. So don't get too excited yet. You don't know where the story's going. Um, But that was a real like, holy shit, you know, like its own excitement and stresses, obviously, because we were kind of surprised by that and um, excited for it. And I, you know, didn't know if I should tell my job or if I should, you know, like, how do you apply for a new job and then be like, oh, by the way, um, in a few months, I'll probably have to get the fuck out of here so I can raise this person. Um, So there was a lot that was going into that. And then um, after that, at like my eight week appointment, we found out that the pregnancy wasn't viable. And it was a really weird experience because it's obviously a really um, emotional thing and and it's something that a lot of women have to to go through. And that was a real, um, that was a real point that I just kept thinking about like, wow, like how many, you know, everyone's always like, it's really common. Don't worry. This happens a lot. But all I could think about was like, man, like I feel bad for all of these women. Like I feel for, I feel bad for women in general, just like there's so many things that 
we have to kind of go through almost silently in our lives for one for one reason or another, right? Like you either don't want to tell work or you just aren't comfortable telling all your friends or your family doesn't know or whatever. So you're kind of like suffering silently and, and dealing with this thing that's like kind of a huge thing, but you know, it, it was weird. So we found out it was horrible, obviously, but I had this like out of body moment at the doctor's office. And I think like part of this comes from the fact that like I was raised by people who, you know, survived a civil war in their country and are just survivors at their core. But um, it was just like, everything was really still. And it was like, I, I was kind of out of body, which you told me. And in another way, I just, I was immediately like, okay, now what? Like, I wanted to like skip over the emotional part and just lean on my logical side and, and remind myself that things are, things like this are really common and it's actually, you know, a blessing in a lot of ways, right? Because I don't want, you know, it was early in the pregnancy. I didn't want to be ungrateful to my body for knowing that, you know, this was not a viable pregnancy or this egg was not normal. So it didn't want to feed it and let it grow. And I just didn't want to be ungrateful to that. And it was just weird that all of those thoughts kicked in for me. Like the second my doctor told me, it was just like, I don't know, maybe my body and my brain's way of, of, you know, helping me survive. But I was just really like, okay, like now what? And I think that was the easiest part because everything after that was a lot harder and I don't mean to like scare anybody who's going through this or who's worried about going through this or whatever, but I don't know. Let me just walk you through it. So now that I've had enough space to like feel like I can talk about it, um, I really, I just hope that, I don't know, maybe my experience can help you in some way or if you ever do find yourself in, in this position that you can um, take something from my experience and, and hopefully it'll help you. So... In the words of Ram Das, like, I don't wish this upon you, but, like, I hope that if it does happen to you, you're able to kind of survive it and really stay conscious and remember that you're strong enough to, to deal with this and it's going to be okay and it's not a failure on your part. It's just life, you know? This is just part of life. And, and it, again, it's kind of got annoying to hear, but it's true. It's very common. It's normal. It doesn't mean you won't be able to have kids later it's fine. It's just something you have to go through. So the difficult part for me was that, you know, because of technology, we found out before like my body found out, right? So like we knew that the pregnancy wasn't viable before my body was like, oh, this pregnancy is not viable. Let's flush it out because that's what your body does, right? And another interesting fact was like, sometimes you get your period and it's actually a miscarriage and you would never know that because it's just so early in the pregnancy and you get your period it all just kind of looks the same. So kind of a, not a fun fact, but a fact. So like the statistics on miscarriage are probably kind of on the lower end because so many women have probably had miscarriages that they don't even know about. But, um, so my doctor was basically like, oh, okay. So in about a week, like your body will like catch up and then it'll just like flush it out and it'll feel like a period and it might be painful, but I'm going to give you some pain medication to deal with that. And I was like, okay, great, cool. Trying to like really absorb the information and not have my brain like shut off from traumatic news, which it felt like it wanted to do. And so I'm like, okay, great. And then this 
doctor who's amazing, like gave me like um, Moch, like that really high milligram Motrin and a like a, a narco, like a hydrocodone prescription. Like not for a lot, but like she gave me one. So in my mind, I'm like, fuck, how much is this going to hurt? You know, like getting a little nervous, but hoping that my body is just going to do its thing and, and process this naturally. So essentially for the next two weeks, I was not even technically still pregnant. I think like you're not technically pregnant anymore if there, if it's not a viable like fetus or embryo or whatever the fuck stage it was at. So um, it was just like this weird two week limbo of like hoping my body would start cramping up and, and get rid of this so I wouldn't have to like medicate, which like, you know, helps induce like your body's like natural response to like an unviable pregnancy. So my plan was, okay, I'm going to give my body some time to do this. And, um, and, it, and if it doesn't do it, then I don't know, I, I guess I'll medicate. I kind of like was going back and forth on that. And so in the meantime, I got, <laughs> I got the job, which was really exciting. Um, I think like I got the job and then like a few days later we found out about the pregnancy not being viable. So it was all like just really overlapping and, and really, really stressful. And, and, you know, I'm like thinking about this new role that I'm moving into and who I need to hire to replace me. And there was a lot going on. And on top of that, my very best friend was like almost at her due date. And I was, you know, meant to be in the labor and delivery room with her and, and experience that whole thing with her and be by her side. And I'm trying to like make sure that I schedule what's about to happen with me in, in a way that doesn't conflict with all these other things that are happening. So in a really like bizarre way, because there was so much going on, I was able to focus I don't know, like I was able to just put my like logical brain on and my like go-getter brain on and just get things done instead of kind of thinking about like all the emotional stuff that's tied to what was happening. So luckily I got through it all. I was able to be in the labor and delivery room with my best friend when she gave birth to her daughter and it was an incredible experience, actually something I, I highly recommend for women to to try to experience if they can, if there's a way for you to be a part of somebody's labor and delivery. Um, it's, it's so cool. It's so educational. Um, and it's really awesome. I'm sure for the person who's giving birth to just have a support system. So it was a great experience. Um, but literally like as soon as her daughter, and I'm laughing about this, you know, not as, you know, to, to make light of, of a heavy situation, but just because of the way that I, tend to process things that happen to me and, and how I've learned to process things that have happened to me. And it's just like, I, I can't dwell on it and I have to find humor in it and I have to not take it personally and just move on with my life or else I'm just going to be stuck in that moment in time forever. So my best friend's baby was born on a, hold on, I can't remember what day of the week it was, but I can figure it out right now. Um, she was born on June 12th, which was a Tuesday. And I ended up 
medicating or like medically inducing the miscarriage that didn't happen on its own naturally after two weeks. So it was like two weeks of weird limbo. And then my doctor was like, look, you know, you could give your body some more time, but there's like a small chance that like you could develop an infection because, you know, the cells are just not alive anymore and you need to flush that shit out. So they recommend like after waiting a couple weeks, like just medicate. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's just fucking get this over with. At least I can schedule it. So I decided I was going to do it that Thursday. So baby's born on Tuesday. Um, go back to work Wednesday. Thursday, go back to work again. And then Thursday night, I was like, okay, I'm going to medicate Thursday night and give myself like from that evening through the weekend to recover, right? Because I didn't really know how long it was going to take. I didn't know how painful it was going to be. Um, so I wanted to give myself that time, but there was, <laughs> there was a lot going on, um, in the interim and like in the weeks following and stuff like that, that I couldn't really like give myself a fucking week off to like process emotionally. It was just like, look, I got to get through this, you know? And you know, if you didn't hear about the tattoo fundraiser, I was also organizing that and putting that together and, and, um, you know, there was just things that could not be postponed, like the birth of a child. Um, and obviously things that just couldn't be timed out, like me, you know, having to deal with this miscarriage and, and having to take care of my body and my emotional health and stuff like that and still not drop the ball in another area of my life. So I'm going to walk you through how this all went down, just in case, you know, you do experience that or you're just interested in what happens in that case. Um, but essentially like you are given these pills that I think like soften like your uterus lining and you can either take them by mouth or you can insert them vaginally. And my doctor recommended that I insert them vaginally because then you bypass your intestines and then you, it's less likely you're going to get sick or get diarrhea or whatever because they're, it's like a side effect of the medication. So Thursday night, I'm like, okay, let's fucking do this. Um, I'm not like a pill popper, so I wasn't going to take any of the pain medication, but because I was prescribed like such a strong, you know, pain medication, I was a little nervous, like, fuck, maybe this is going to hurt like hell. So I took um, one of the ibuprofens. It was like the 600 milligram Motrin or ibuprofen or whatever. Obviously I didn't take the hydrocodone because that's psychotic. And um, I thought I'd lay that down as a base and then inserted the medication, um, like nine, nine thirty, something like that. And then was just waiting to see what would happen. And then like a couple hours later, um, cause it says it takes between like two and 72 hours for it to kick in though. Mostly it'll take between two and six hours. So waited a couple hours and then got sleepy and then just went to sleep. And then woke up, like, no pain, nothing, like, no cramping, no anything. And just went to the bathroom. And it was just, like, like a wave. Like, everything just came out at once. It was really weird. It was kind of awful. It didn't hurt. It just, like, it, it just felt like my vagina was throwing up. It was weird. I hope that's not too graphic. But that's what it was like. So, really weird and not painful. So there, I don't know if other people's experiences di was different, but like, I didn't feel anything. Like 
it, it, I was almost bummed about that. Like, you know how when you go through something, you almost want to feel the pain, at least like the physical pain, so that you can at least like uh, hold on to something. Um, there was really none of that. So I guess it was good. But I was also like, what the fuck? That's weird. And, and then essentially after that, it was just like a couple days of bleeding and that was it. And then it was just like back to work, back to these other projects and, and moving on with life and dealing with everything, you know, that, that there was left to deal with. And now that there's been a little bit of time and space between it happening, um, I, I think I was like battling with myself about whether I should, you know, uh, express like the pain of it all, the emotional pain of it all, whether I should like lean into that or like express it more to friends or whatever. And I just kept falling back on like, I just don't want to lean into the pain. Like I just want to move forward. I just want to push through and not have this be a thing. And the reality is that it is a thing, you know, it's a traumatic thing. It, it's hard not to feel like your body is failing, especially like as a woman, when so much of like your existence is tied into what your uterus does and like what, you know, how you create life. So it was hard not to like feel a little like, oh, that was weird. And, you know, obviously like once you find out you're pregnant, you, it, it's impossible not to just like dive right into that fantasy, you know, whatever it is for you. And, and it's impossible not to like, I mean, even not being pregnant, like you, if you're married or whatever, anticipating having kids or wanting to have kids, like it's just impossible not to dive into what that's going to be like and thinking about the kid and, and where are we going to put the nursery and, and what's this going to, you know, how are our lives going to change? So I think the hard part was like feeling like you just woke up from a dream and it's not, it's, it was a dream. It's like the reality is not what you thought. And I don't know if it's just human nature, but you feel kind of stupid. You feel like, oh shit, like I probably, I shouldn't have let myself fantasize about it, you know, but I don't know. I think like you got to live in the moment and you have to take everything as it comes, whether it's good or bad. And even though I still feel like emotionally, I still have some stuff to like get through with myself and how I really feel about everything that's happened. Um, I just take everything that happens as like what was meant to happen. You know, I trust my body. I feel like I'm more or less good to it. So I don't feel like I did anything wrong or, that I'm being punished for something, but it was just as, I don't know, maybe this is crass to say, but it was just fucking bad timing. You know, like I had so much momentum going into the year and so many like exciting projects that I'm so looking forward to and I'm still looking forward to and, and, and things are happening and rolling out. It was just really, really bad timing for all of that to happen. So I think there's maybe a lesson for me in there on, on life and, and, you know, what happens when you're making plans and, and you're have these expectations of how things are going to go. Um, but to be honest, like I was really proud of myself. Like there were those dips and there still are those like really low dips, but I was proud of myself and how 
I survived it because obviously like there have been other traumatizing and, and crazy things that have happened in my life. And it was, it's just not as easy to get through it. And I felt like I was, I'm getting better, you know, I'm getting better at dealing with these difficult realities um, and not letting them define me or not letting them, not leaning on them as a reason for why, like, I just can't go on, even though there are days where I feel like I can't go on. Um, but I just, I, I just know it's, it's not me. And I want to be able to be that person that can talk to any of my friends and really just open up and cry and, and let them know, you know, that I'm really just like dealing with some shit, you know, but I, it's just not my personality. Like, I don't want to be that person. You know, I want to deal with my shit privately. I want to, you know, I've, I'm lucky that I have a really supportive family, a really supportive husband and friends. And so I do feel like I have that support, but in terms of like a wider circle or just being that, that vulnerable publicly, even though I'm podcasting about it, Hey, it, I would rather deal with it and be the survivor. Like, I don't know if any of you saw the Gloria Allred documentary on Netflix. I think it's called Seeing Allred. And it was just, man, like I saw myself in her so deeply. And this was even before this happened. Like she was talking about an experience she had. And again, like these are the things that really connect all women, right? These things that happen to us that are really foreign to men or or just not really talked about publicly, but that we all kind of silently like deal with, or if you're with your friends, you're like, this happened to me. And they're like, oh my God, that happened to me too. Um, hashtag me too. But when I was watching this Gloria Allred documentary, she, they were asking her about, I think she like was raped when she was younger. I'm pretty sure that was the, that was what happened. Um, and the interviewer seemed like they really wanted her to talk about it. And she just, didn't want to talk about it. It was kind of like, what? Like, what do you want to know? And the interviewer asked her if that, because they were trying to like get her to open up a little bit more. And he's like, or she said, you know, is this the worst thing that ever happened to you? And Gloria was just like, no. You know, and I think for me, it's similar. It's a similar perspective of like, yes, this was a horrible thing that happened. Is it the worst thing that's ever happened in my life? No, it's not. Um, and it, you know, it, I'm not done going through hard shit in my life because that's just what life is, you know, I, and I want to get better at accepting that these things happen. And for every joyous, perfect cloud nine day, there is its opposite. And it's all about how you deal with both. So, you know, it, I don't want to gloss over the fact that it was a really difficult last three months, last six months, just for a lot of reasons and especially because of this. But, you know, I think I kept trying to talk myself out of dealing with it the way that I just naturally want to deal with it. And I kept trying to like tell myself like maybe I need to like open up more. Maybe I need to talk to somebody or maybe I'm moving on too quickly or maybe I'm drowning myself in work and maybe that's not a healthy thing. And to be honest, those questions are still up in the air, but for now, like I'm doing what I know how to do, which is to put one foot in front of the other and just keep moving forward and finding, you know, moments where I can laugh and, and connecting with friends on a level outside of like, hey, I'm going through some horrible shit. Let me tell you about it. It's just not that I am against doing that. It's just like, I don't consider myself that kind of person 
maybe with like some surface stuff, but when it comes to these really like real moments in life, I have to just back off and go through it and then come back and share what I've learned or express it then. But when I'm in it, it's very like isolating and, and just, um, really processing and crying and, and dealing with what's happening inside and then just picking up and moving on, like giving yourself a grieving period and then just picking up and moving on. And I'm really grateful for my parents, you know, for better or worse, like we all have things about our upbringing that we wish were different or whatever, especially if your parents are immigrants or whatever. Um, but man, like I feel grateful because for me, my parents in those really like tough times have always really just said exactly what I needed to hear. And I wouldn't say that they're like that all the time, right? Because they're Middle Eastern parents, right? They have these expectations and they have these thoughts about life and they're amazing, but it's not always like, wow, you really just said exactly what I needed to hear. But in that moment, um, they really did. And, you know, for me, it's, it's like silly, but as soon as something like that happened or as soon as we got the news, it was like, I have to call my mom. And like, I always like laugh at that because um, it's just really sweet to me. Like, I think a lot of us kind of have that where, you know, you want to call your mom, like no matter how like close you are or whatever, there's just for me this, like, I just need to tell her, like, I just need to like tell her I need her in the loop, you know? She's really like the central matriarch in our entire family tree. So I know that has something to do with it too. But, you know, when I called her, it was just like, you know, my parents um, have been wanting to be grandparents since before I was married, since I was like 16. They were just like, when are you going to get married and have kids? So I knew that this was a big deal for them. Um, and I, I wasn't concerned that they were going to be like, what the fuck? But, you know, you get a little heartbroken because you want that for them too. Like, even though I'm not in any rush necessarily to have kids or whatever, or, or you know, feel like being a parent is like my mission in life. What I really do want is to give my parents grandkids because I just know how much they want that and I know how excited they would be and that makes me excited to be able to do that for them. So, you know, it was heartbreaking to have to tell them, but, you know, my mom and my dad are just like, like before I could even get all the words out, it was like, it's okay. Like, it's totally okay. Don't even trip. This happens. Like, you're fine. Don't even worry about it, you know? And it was just really amazing to have them not minimalize it, but just really make me feel like you don't have to worry about this. Like, it's okay. We're excited, but don't even trip. Like, as long as you're okay, we're fine. So, and that was the other thing too, like with my close friends and my husband and, and my parents and, and his family, it was like everyone was really worried about everybody else. Obviously, like they were all worried about us and about me and and we were really worried about them and about each other, you know? And I hope you're not disappointed and I hope you're not upset and I hope you're okay. And we were all essentially saying that to each other. So again, like in these really intense, dark moments, there were these like glimmers of like, wow, like we all just want to make sure we're all okay. And especially for women, I think a, a large part of, you know, being a woman in this society is like, you're constantly like worrying about everybody else and making sure everybody else is cool. And it was just cool to have that moment of like, wow, like I'm sad for them. They're sad for me. And we're both closer together in this moment. Um, 
so I don't know. I mean, again, like it didn't happen that long ago. So I'm still somewhat in, in the fire a little bit, but I think on the like bigger picture, it's just one of those things, you know, and the further away I get from it, the more it just all feels like a dream. And it just feels like something that happened a long time ago. And the other thing, I don't know, like as much as I, I, I really dive into feminism and I, I try to be as active as I can in women's empowerment um, initiatives and things like that, like things like this still feel really private and really like you don't want it to be what you're like known for or I didn't even want to be like that friend you know who had that happen to them once like I just didn't want that like it was it really was hyper um, important to me that that wasn't a factor at work and I work in like the most supportive environment ever I could have taken as much time off as I wanted but I couldn't even get myself to write an email that was like, this is why I need some time off. Like I was vague about it and obviously whatever, if they listen to the podcast, it's fine now. But I just couldn't get myself to say what was happening. And obviously I didn't have to, but there was this like conflict of like what I've built up or what what I try to project at work that just conflicted with this really real, vulnerable, painful traumatic thing that was happening in my present. So, you know, I, I was like, I knew I could take like a week off, but I was like, I don't want to take a week off. Like I have a lot of work to do. I don't want to take a week off like the first fucking month into this new position. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of like restructuring that's happening. And none of that was coming from above. None of that was coming from like my superiors who were like, what the fuck? You better not drop the ball. It was just coming from me. And I'm like realizing that maybe that's not a bad thing because that's just who I am. You know, it's just who I am as a person and, and I don't want to dwell on it. And, you know, I've, I've had, I just feel lucky that I had the support system that I have because I can lean on those people when I'm really just feeling just doom and gloom. Um, but it's like once you kind of pop up out of that, you want the whole world to like not know what the fuck happened behind that closed door. And I think that's really what it was for me. It was like, I didn't want to use this as like some sort of excuse for like why I just didn't want to do shit at all. And instead I'd rather just force myself to do what I needed to do and not, and just not have to deal with that altogether. And, and it's like, I don't know. I, I think part of part of it is like I get to go somewhere every day where what happened isn't really a reality, right? Because it's not common knowledge or whatever. And I just get to go there and I get to be who I am and I get to do the work that I do and I get to laugh and, and people don't feel awkward if they're talking about something that related to pregnancy or miscarriage or whatever. And, and they won't give me that like weird look like, Ooh, I hope, uh, was that weird? Was that inappropriate? Like I didn't want any of that. You know, it's like, I just wanted to deal with what happened and then go back out into the world as I left it before. Um, so Again, I don't know, right, wrong, the right strategy, the wrong strategy, you know, good for your mental health, bad for your mental health. I don't know. I just know that it was kind of amazing 
how my body and mind just clicked over into survival mode. And I'm sure, you know, everybody's body and mind has that for the most part. You know, you go through stuff and your body is trying to protect you from some really difficult truths, you know? And I'm just really grateful for that. It's like so cheesy to say, but there's so much gratitude that comes from, you know, these fucking horrible experiences. It's just like, wow, like no matter how much I might disagree with my family or, or feel like an obligation to like, you know, go to family functions or be this person that they want me to be. It's like in my darkest moment, they were just there for me. And, um, you know, my friends, the same, of course, my husband and, and I just, um, I don't know, maybe I just didn't want to be too greedy with all the support. And like, I didn't want to, overly like spill out into like my work relationships and all of that stuff. And I knew I would eventually either write about the experience or podcast about it. And even then, like, even as I was, you know, putting like my thoughts out on paper, it was, it just felt like I was like exploiting my life experience for like a blog post. It was really weird. Like a lot of conflicting feelings in terms of how to deal with all of this and, and, um, you know, what is proper, reaching out for support and what's being overly, I don't know. There's just a lot, a lot to think about, but I don't know. In the end, um, I'm happy I was able to share that experience because it is what it is and it happened and, and it happens often. It might happen again. Who knows? You know what I mean? Like anything is possible. And, um, I just hope that Um, I don't know. I hope you trust yourself no matter what it is that, that happens to you that might seem like the worst fucking thing in, in the world at that moment. I just hope you trust yourself and that you have people around you who can remind you that you're not going through this alone and that it's temporary and that it will get better. Um, and I'm grateful in a very, very feminist way for the other things I have going on in my life because again, just something to grasp onto, something that keeps you moving forward so that you're forced to move forward. And then eventually it's just like something that happened a while ago, you know, and something that, that you lived through. Um, but I know this was kind of a heavy episode, but again, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm fine. I'm healthy. You know, um, I survived it and I didn't drop the ball in the meantime. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And, and, you know, um, as soon as I'm able to, then I'm going to take some extra time off and really like make sure that my mind is right. But, you know, if, if you've gone through something like this, if you're going through something like this, if you have questions or whatever, please reach out to me. Um, you know, the podcast and the blog and everything has really followed my journey as a writer and just as a woman, these whole eight years that it's been around. Um, but I think, you know, I really want to focus on the female audience and, and what kind of goes on in our lives and the things that, you know, you just have to deal with. Like as soon as my experience happened, I, I just, I couldn't stop thinking about like how many women have probably been dealing with this and just had to show up to work and act like everything was fine. You know, and again, this is nothing about like what my workplace is like. It's just like what the world is like, you know, it's just things that happen to women are often like just shoved like in a closet and nobody really talks about it. And for me, it was like, I didn't want to talk about it. You know, I didn't, I wasn't really looking for like 
that. I was just trying to distract myself and keep pushing forward, especially during those two weeks that I just kind of had to wait and see what the fuck my body was going to do, you know? Um, but every day is a new opportunity for something great. So I'm, I'm just happy and, and um, thankful that, you know, I, I get to, you know, wake up every day and, and try something new and have these experiences and um, opportunities with work and at home and with my friends that really make the bad parts feel like just blips on the radar. You know, they're not, they're difficult, but they're not everything. And they don't define my entire life and I don't have to be bitter about it, you know? And I know it's probably hard not to be, but I don't know, man. I think life is too short to really have any kind of expectation of how it's going to be. And whatever it is, is, is what it is. So I'm just here for the ride. Um, Ram Das and his writing and his documentaries and stuff have really been um, kind of a light for me. I've always just been a fan of, of his talks and and his philosophies and stuff like that. It's really like common or whatever, but he just has a way with words that's really great. So I highly recommend watching. I think he has two or three documentaries. That's Ram Das, R-A-M-D-A-S-S. So check those out, especially if you're kind of feeling low, you know. Um, we're only here for a short period of time. And, you know, if we hung on to all the bad things that happen to us, and then we would just never make room for, for light to come in and, and for positive things to happen after that. So I will wrap this up so I don't talk your ear off. But again, please reach out to me if you want to talk about this more, if you want to share your experience. Um, and I just want to say again, thank you to all the people that reached out and um, or that you know were in the know and were really supportive. And special, 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 special shout out to my little Julia, my little niece who was born, who I was able to be in the room for for her birth. Um, you were really a shining light in all of this and, and you, made, you made it impossible for me to stay down. So um, thank you for lifting me up to Julia and to everybody else. Um, I will see you next time. <laughs>